Remain standing and pray with me and for me. Heavenly Father, we thank you as we are in this wonderful season of Easter, resurrection, new beginning. We thank you, God, for, for the perfect work of Christ. None of us are in here standing before you worthy. But you chose to do it and chose to bestow the gift of new life on us. Come and use me, your servant, Lord. Don't have a whole lot to offer, but what it is, it's yours, God. And come into the room. Lord, our doors aren't locked, but maybe there's some places in our heart that are locked. Bust in today with that wonderful message of peace be with you. And we ask this in your most holy name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Usually when you first meet someone, you ask them their name, and you ask them, uh, how you doing? <laughs> and some people from certain parts of the nation will tell you, Forget about it. <laughs> or other times you will hear the most common expression now, I'm, well, I'm living the dream. And usually that's said sarcastically. What they really mean is I'm not living the dream, but it's also not a nightmare. <laughs> and we begin to ask ourselves, you know, what really is a good life? What makes a good life? Well, at the risk of sounding trendy, in a TED talk, whatever Ted is, and nobody's ever named Ted, they ask the question, what keeps us healthy and happy as we go through life? If we're going to invest in our best future self, I, I kind of like that, the, our best future self, I don't really know what's good about me, where are you going to put your time and energy? Well, they surveyed some millennials, and 80% of them said we're going to invest in getting rich. 50 also said they're going to invest in getting famous. And when we break our life down, one person figured this out. If we live an average of 70 years, in that 70-year span, what do we actually spend our time doing? And it's quite surprising. For 23 years, we're sleeping. For some, it's more than that. A lot of afternoon naps. 16 years are spent working. Eight years being entertained. And that's probably higher now with the advent of screens being in our hands. Six years eating. I can attest to that. Six years traveling back and forth, commuting. Four and a half years spent in leisure, four years battling various illnesses, two years putting clothes on. In 70 years of your life, two years are spent putting clothes on. Ladies, it's probably six for you. <laughs> and dealing with our spiritual life, the grand total of six months. Is that what our life is. 
We could say life is good relationships, a good job that you enjoy and find fulfillment in, and of course, good health. And today, the disciples were struggling over what will their life be. For them, it seemed over. All their hopes and dreams were crushed. In fact, a few verses later, my good friend Peter says, well, I'm going to go fishing. Who wants to go? The catfish are biting. Because they lost their closest friend, they thought. They lost their job. Who are we going to follow now? Jesus ain't around. And they were at their end. The message of the resurrection is when we reach our end, Jesus' new beginnings begin. In that fearful moment, Jesus shows up and he shows them, guys, life's not over. You've yet to begin. And the life that he brings is not just existing or breathing or eating or sleeping or dressing up for two years of our lifespan but it is a life that is characterized by the quality of God. How do we realize this? Jesus shows up and he awakens them, and I hope that he awakens us today to what really is this life and how we live this life out. And first and foremost is the fact that he accepts them and us. In verse 19, Jesus shows up, and there's no rebuke, there's no scolding, there's no shaming. He says, peace be with you. If it was me, I would have been like, Jesus, do you remember what I just did? Man, I ran away. I lied. I cursed you. The disciples felt lost and unworthy, and Jesus extends peace. The word fear that John uses doesn't just mean afraid. It means they wanted to run away. They were ready to give up. And Jesus says, peace be with you. The word peace in scripture is a pretty loaded word. It doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. All good to you. And here in the midst of their, where they thought their whole life was broken and great pieces of it were missing, Jesus shows up and says, there's nothing missing, there's nothing broken, because I'm here. Peace, peace with God. Peace in difficult times. Peace in relationships. Peace with our past. And like the disciples... If we're honest, we don't deserve such a gift. But Jesus' desire is to give it to us. And we don't have to cower in the corner when our Savior is ready to embrace us. We don't have to fear because he accepts us. And there's nothing in the way of his loving embrace. Even though you may feel unworthy, you're not. You are not worthy. But he welcomes us. He accepts us. They were excited in verse 20 when they saw the Lord. And in verse 21, this acceptance brings mission. He says again in verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
so I sin you. It's much like I was thinking the, the first time that Nadine and Michael drove by themselves. You know, they took driver's ed, they did the whole year of a learner's permit, they kept track of all their hours, they went and passed their driving test and they had their official driver's license and it was like that first time giving them the keys and letting them drive off by themselves and after visions of road rage and horror and the worst possible things that could happen, I trusted them with the keys to the car. And by the grace of God and their decency, neither one of them have had an accident. Well, a deer ran into Nadine's car, but can't help the deer. It's just a deer. That's what they love to do. But Jesus is saying the same thing to these guys huddled in fear. I trust you with the keys to my car. I'm commissioning you with the message of the gospel. He believes in them, so he commissions them. And St. Paul goes on to call us ambassadors of Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. Jesus sends us as he was sent. And that word sent means you've got something specific to do and you're backed by the authority of the sender. And if you question who has the authority, we heard it in Revelation today. That sounds like a whole lot of authority. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the men, the, the ruler of kings of the earth. And Jesus sends us as he was sent. Because the mission of Christ happens more outside the walls of this church. The bulk of it is us in our everyday life. And like Jesus, we have to do certain things. We must take the initiative. The disciples in our other reading in Acts, they're out speaking. We have to open our mouths. We've been commanded to speak the words of this life. We have to live what we say. Not the old adage, do what I say, not what I do. That doesn't work with Jesus' mission. What we do has to be the same as what we say because that's who he is. What he says is what he does. What he does is what he is. And we have to be ready for opposition. The disciples were in prison. John was in exile because they spoke the words of this life. Because I, haven't known, I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but Jesus and the world doesn't mix. You can talk about a whole host of topics, but mention Jesus. And nine out of ten times, a glazed look comes over people's faces. You can tell them, you know what, I just read something about Harry Krishna and it was so exciting. And they'll listen to you. Man, I dabbled in some Rastafarianism, and man, it was good. <laughs> Especially the holy herb. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but mention Jesus. I don't want to hear that. But God and Christ has commissioned us to be the extension of his earthly ministry. That's who we are. 
But the good news is this mission also comes with equipment. Because I don't know about you, but I was a little overwhelmed because I thought Jesus came to make me happy and fulfill my wish list. But he comes and he gives me this overwhelming task of being his representative in the world. But in verse 22, and then he had said this to them, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Very odd. When is the last time you breathed on someone? Most would not like it, especially after you ate garlic. But the word that John used is found one other time in Scripture. Any guesses where it might be? Genesis 2. When God breathed into that statue of mud and it became Adam. Something definingly different about his nature than all the others in creation. And Jesus here, representing the new creation, is breathing new life into these men. And tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit gets a lot of focus in certain circles. Especially the gifts. We love the gifts, don't we? Who doesn't love gifts? I love gifts. But there's not a whole lot of attention given to the work that the Spirit does in our lives. And a quick review of his work in our life. First of all, he gives us words to say. And I am most thankful for that. He convicts us and others of sin. He converts a hard heart. He sustains us in hard times. He gives focus and substance to our prayers. He gives us abilities to fulfill this mission. And he makes us more like Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is like the connector between us and Christ. It's like a conveyor belt, for lack of a better terminology, analogy. He conveys everything that Christ is and just dumps it into us. It's much like this little boy who took up piano lessons. Struggling, bored, hated it. He wanted to play guitar, I don't blame him. Rock and roll. So the, the mom decided she was going to take her son to this concert of this famous piano player. A master, I don't know what they're called. So they go to this concert, sold out, fancy auditorium, the big grand piano's on the stage. It's about to start. The mom gets distracted talking to a friend she hasn't seen for a long time, and she loses focus on her son. And in a couple of minutes, she starts to hear twinkle, twinkle, little star on that big grand piano. And in a horror, she realizes that it's her son. Embarrassed, she starts to make her way to the stage. But before she gets her there, the piano master for, I don't know what they're called. What is it called? Piano master. That sounds good. <laughs> Sits down, whispers in the little boy's ears, don't quit, keep playing. That piano master... It just sounds good. 
reaches his arms around that little boy and plays this amazing accompaniment to that little boy playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star with one finger until the whole crowd is mesmerized and they erupt in applause and they're excited and the mother is relieved and she's not embarrassed anymore. Our life with the Spirit is a lot like that. The Spirit takes our little one-finger, twinkle, twinkle, little star efforts and transforms it into amazingness. Yes, that is a word, amazingness. When we let the Spirit work through us and in us, what looks like everyday mundane stuff becomes the finger of God touching someone. You are the vessel with God in it. Let the Holy Spirit pour it out in words, actions, thoughts, dreams, and desires. The Spirit, God comes to us today. Jesus comes to us. He accepts us. He commissions us. He equips us to fulfill his mission on the earth. There's a little story as I close. When Jesus ascended... I know we're jumping the gun a little bit. The ascension's a little bit down the road, but bear with me. No liturgical police needed. Gabriel comes up to Jesus and asks him, so how did it go? And Jesus says, excellent. My plan came together perfectly. And Gabriel says, well, did they make you king? Jesus went, well, no. Did they make you prince? Ah, no. Did they worship you? A handful. Most didn't. Well, what happened, Jesus? They crucified me. Gabriel said, well, then they must have surely worshipped you. Again, not really. So what happened? Jesus said, I left my people down there. And Gabriel, inquisitive as usual, well, if they fail, do you have another plan? Jesus said, nope. Because they didn't fail. We're all here today because they didn't fail. A few men and women realized what real life is. Living Jesus at all times, in all places, everywhere. He has accepted us, commissioned us, and equipped us to change the world one person at a time. We only need to be like Thomas, fall on our knees and believe. Because John concluded our passage today by saying, believing you may have life in his name, all that is highest and best that is Christ. Believing. Will you let him come into your room, the room of your heart, and may you hear him whisper those wonderful words to you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.